What's up, what's up, what's up? Hotep to the family, everybody. I shade to all my people out there. Welcome to another episode of My Unapologetic Perspective here on the Mighty Motivation Network. This is the podcast where we give our point of view of controversial topics from <coughs> our experience, black history, and our knowledge as African and Americans. In the words of Maya Angelou, do the best until you know better, and when you know better, do better. So it's important to search for information to discover what you don't know so you can discover your best you. Uh, before we get started, I want to send a rest in peace to Biz Marquis. Um, rest in power, great pioneer of, uh, of hip hop. Um, but I'm your host, Mark Trey Stevens. And to the right of me is Shaquan Battle. What up? And to the right of him is Jerome Battle. What up? What's up, fellas? How, how y'all feeling? Good. Good. How are y'all feeling? Um, for the people who are watching, uh, go to YouTube, type in Mighty Motivation Network, hit the subscribe button, go to Facebook, type in uh, My Unapologetic Perspective, follow the Facebook page. Um, I didn't send out invites to the Facebook page. I wanted people to like it um, on their own accord. I didn't want a bunch of people on there who were not interested in liking it, just liking it because it was us. I want people who actually want to see content um want it to be organic. want to be authentic organic uh i'll be posting some live videos from that page throughout the week posting uh more african-american um history and and current events from that page so make sure you go uh hit the like button and, and follow that page how you feel last us i feel i feel wonderful i'm an uh another day older i mean another year older um, <laughs> that's right 31 um i feel great though I feel great. Um, but yeah, let's uh let's get to it, man. Let's get right to the to the stuff. Anything y'all want to talk about to start off before we get into this? Anything that happened? That's what we want to get into. Okay. That's yep. what we want to get into. Because that's what's happening. Oh yeah. We uh so today we're gonna um we're gonna shift gears. Uh for anybody that know that's been watching, you know, one through seventeen. Uh, my unapologetic perspective was created um, to talk about the social, um, the social problems, the economic problems, the Black history um, going on in, in America. Um, to talk about the problems of the African and American, and for a lot of episodes we've been doing, you know, Black history and how it relates to us today. But today we're gonna we're gonna shift gears and we're gonna start talking about what's actually going on today. And there, and it's important that we begin to have these conversations, to talk about these controversial topics, not to be politically correct, but to give perspective, to give some insight, to give some knowledge based on African Americans that um, that other people may not know about or or understand uh, quite yet. Um, I'm just thinking about the title of this episode. It's probably going to be uh, reporting live from the other america um that's right <laughs> yeah because we, we live in two different americas that's right um the first topic we're going to get into is something that i talked about briefly on the last episode and but we didn't really dive into it but um clay travis who is a um a host for the fox sports network uh radio show he has his own show i think it comes on at like six o'clock in the morning and um he says a lot of controversial things. He's uh, he's more like the white Stephen A. Smith 
if, if you think about it in that perspective. Um, but Clay Travis said something uh, either last week or a couple of weeks ago regarding um, Deshaun Watson. I'm going to read a quote. This is what he said. Uh, Trevor Bauer. I'm saying that right, right? Trevor, Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer was immediately suspended my Major League Baseball based on one allegation. To my knowledge, 22 different women have accused uh, Deshaun Watson of sexual assault. And the NFL still hasn't done a thing to Deshaun Watson. How was it that Trevor Bauer got suspended immediately based off one allegation and nothing has happened to Deshaun Watson based off over 20 allegations? How can you reconcile the treatment of Trevor Bauer while also recognizing what's going on with Deshaun Watson? We got a serious case of privilege going on with Deshaun Watson. Quarterback privilege, black privilege, black, black privilege. Nobody is talking about that. Deshaun Watson might be, who knows, the Jeffrey Epstein or Bill Cosby of the NFL. Trevor Bauer is already suspended and his career with the Dodgers may be over. President matters decide what the policies are and apply them evenly, no matter the consequences. And uh, if you go to the website, he. Um, he had a list of an order of privilege and he, uh, number one was hot girl privilege. Number two was athlete privilege. Number three is rich privilege. Number four is American privilege. Number five is black privilege. Number six is tall privilege. Uh, seven is skinny privilege, eight hair privilege, nine white privilege. But even with nine privilege, the, uh, the caption said what it's like to have 43 and a half of the presidents on our team. Um, so number 10 is Christian privilege. Then you got a Hispanic privilege, straight privilege, gay privilege, religious privilege, atheist privilege, Muslim privilege, Asian privilege. Idiot privilege. I'll talk to, I'll let dad go first. Cause I, 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 I know you're, I know you're Let's ready put to him go. Number one, idiot privilege. How about that? Um, well, I would like to say that his first four in his list still fall under white privilege. <laughs> so if you're going to put us number five, that still puts white america one two, two three, three and four. four right okay so you can drop white privilege per se to number nine if you want i'm okay with that <laughs> but the other four would still include white america right but let's talk about black privilege is there such thing mm -hmm. um it is but in a different aspect and you guys know how i feel about some of these these people who uh, what we call personalities, whether they're radio personalities or TV personalities or even street personalities. Mm -hmm. um, Charlemagne the God is not somebody that I would typically like to quote. However, mm -hmm. what I do like about him is he has always gives you his unapologetic perspective. Mm -hmm. Very educated guy. And he has some experiences that gives him, in my opinion, the credence to make some of the statements that he makes. Uh -huh. He actually wrote a book called Black, Black Privilege. Opportunity comes to those who create it. Uh -huh. And a lot of people may not have read the book. I'll be, I'll admit, I did. I thought it was a pretty good book. And it's not Black, Black Privilege in the terms of what this guy's talking about. Right. Um, obviously, it's talking about your privilege comes when you make or create an opportunity for yourself. And I'm just going to talk about a couple of the table of contents that's in this book. The first one, the, the first principle is it's not the size of the palm, but the hustle of the fish, which means it's up to you, mm -hmm. especially for black America, for you to make it happen, mm -hmm. for you to go out and make your own privilege. Mm -hmm. Number two, PYP, pick your passion, poison or procrastination. Mm -hmm. That's right. So you could either 
follow your passion, you can either poison it by sabotaging your opportunities to go forward. And that happens a lot. We talk about where professional athletes has the, have the opportunity to make millions of dollars, but they choose to smoke weed instead. Mm -hmm. So they're sabotaging their privilege or procrastination, mm -hmm. which is what most people do. I'll take care. I'm going to try it later. I'll do it later in life. I'll, I'll come. I'll go back to school. How many people actually go back to school? How many people do you see in the, on a daily basis that say, I need to get back in the gym? Mm -hmm. But they've been saying that for, for years, years right. right? So procrastination. Principle number three, pardon my language, fuck your dreams. So obviously, sometimes people have difficulty being honest with themselves. Mm -hmm. And other people cannot be honest with them because then they're considered insensitive or disrespectful. Mm -hmm. One of the things that Charlemagne talked about is he wanted to be a rapper and he was working the job and his manager came in and said, look, dude, fuck that dream. You ain't good enough <laughs> to be a rapper. Mm -hmm. That gave him the credence to go on and do something else because that proved to him that rapping wasn't going to be his thing. Mm -hmm. So he went on and did something else to allow him to follow a different dream. Mm -hmm. You can have multiple dreams. I have them every week. I don't mm -hmm. have the same dream every night. So you can have multiple dreams. Principle number four, there are no losses, only lessons. Okay. Mm -hmm. So some people say, I'll take my losses. They're not really losses. Okay. I'll admit, I actually thought my divorce was a loss at one point. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's a lesson that I can use to go into my next relationship. Right. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, principle number five, put the weed in the bag. Now, for those that hustle, you know what that means. You can't sell the product until you package the product, yeah. right? What that only means is you can't skip processes. Mm -hmm. You have to have processes. So you follow the processes to be able to do or achieve whatever it is you want to achieve. Principle six, live your truth. Mm -hmm. Your dream. Ain't nobody else's. So if you can't find people, which is difficult to do, not everybody's going to see your vision. You have to find people that can help you live your dream, but it's all on you. Mm -hmm. You have to convince them. Why should I buy into your dream, your vision? Principle seven, give people the credit they deserve for being stupid. And that's what we're doing here today. Okay. <laughs> we're going to give you the, we're going to give you the credit that you deserve for being stupid. Now I'm not saying that it goes without merit. He probably has his reasons in believing what he does, but you have a responsibility when you're in media yeah. to do your research mm -hmm. and give us some real information from multiple perspectives mm -hmm. before you just make those kind of statements. Mm -hmm. And I haven't seen where he's done that. Why? Because he can't. Mm -hmm. um, principle eight, access your black privilege, which is one through seven, creating your own opportunities. Mm -hmm. So that's the black privilege. Now, does everybody have that privilege? White America has that privilege from day one just by being white. Mm -hmm. Go try to get a loan, and we can prove that theory. Go try to buy a home in a certain neighborhood. We can prove that theory. Um, I don't advise this, but look at a couple of people that's been in trouble. Look at white people for the same crime as a black person mm -hmm. and see what justice has done in both situations. Mm -hmm. So black privilege is not in the sense that we're hearing this guy talk about but in a different sense that we have to create our opportunity, mm -hmm. own it, do what you need to do to make it happen for yourself. That's your privilege. Mm -hmm. You have the right to do that. You have the pursuit of happiness to, to do that. Just mm -hmm. like anybody else. It's part of your constitutional rights. Mm -hmm. So uh, for me, 
of when I break down white privilege, it's doing something without having to think about the freedom that you have to do so that others don't have living, living under the same um, living under the same rights that you have. So I don't have the privilege as a black, as an African-American to walk in a store and not be followed. I actually expect it. That's right. Um, I don't have the privilege to not panic whenever the, the police stop me over for something that's supposed to be traffic to say this thing could go left or right. right. Real quick. Right. I'm not just thinking about the traffic ticket. I'm thinking about the escalated situation that could happen. Right. I don't have the privilege to learn about true history, true American history, true black history, because we don't control the educational system. I don't have that, that privilege to be able to expect my kid to go to school and learn about her culture, uh, her black side of her culture, her history, all of those things. I don't have that. So when you think about racism, most people think racism is calling you the N-word. That's right. That's just being discriminatory. Mm -hmm. Racism is an action. So the reason why a lot of white people call you the N-word because it's an action to try to control you. A lot of people use it as the last means. If the argument goes left, the last statement is, oh, you a nigga. That's right. The nigga is to control you to say you're beneath me, so you're wrong. That is a control factor. It is an action that is placed that is placed upon the black man. So if the black man is in no position to control white people, then black people cannot be considered racist. I could call you a, a cracker, a honky, or whatever the case may be. But if I'm, I'm not in a position to control you financially, to control you economically, to control you socially, then I don't have any power to create racism because racism is an action. It is white supremacy used to control black people. So if I don't have the control, then racism does not exist. That's right. Black rights, when, when the laws are placed to, to, um, to protect black rights, it's called treason. When laws are created to protect white supremacy, it's called patriotism. That's right. That, that, that is the difference between the American way and the other black, uh, the other America that we live in. Anyone that says black privilege exists in the terms of the way Clay Travis was trying to narrate it is unaware of history, which is why this podcast is placed, why we use the word chronology of history, because to understand present day, you have to go back to what caused and the effect of it that led up to it. And the problem with it is so many people look at the world, as we talked about on this podcast, season five, episode 12, without looking at season one, episode one, to know how we got here. That's right. Black people aren't getting privileged. Black people are just being afforded the equality that white people have been getting the whole time. Right. So That's when right. white supremacy see black people getting the equality, now we're saying our supremacy is being subjected or being challenged because now they're getting the same treatment as we getting with Deshaun Watson. And he's not even getting the treatment, but let's just, let's just throw Bill Cosby out there. Mm -hmm. What Bill Cosby is being awarded due to the prosecution dropped the ball is something that's been happening in white right. America from the beginning of time. Right. That's right. So this is not nothing new for white America It's something new for black people. And when white people see it, they say, Oh, you got it too. No, this is one case out of a, of a billion. Right. That's not called, that's not black, black privilege. privilege. That's called getting the same rights that you've been getting this entire time. Black people don't have the power to possess the action of racism. Racism is when you have the right to vote and you're killed for it. Racism is when you have the right to eat at this dinner table 
and you're thrown in jail for it. That is racism. Racism is when laws are placed into motion by the powers that be to deny access to people according to their skin color or their beliefs. That's right. that, that is true discrimination. Privilege is when you have to... White America has never in the history had to march just to get somebody arrested who killed somebody on camera. That's right. And the video has been circling. You cannot tell me that white privilege does not exist because white people have never had to do that. Right. Black people, if black people had privilege, we would never had to march to try to get somebody arrested when we seen the footage. So in, in retrospect, it does not exist among black people. And the one word that's always thrown out by white Americans to try to, to try to challenge that there is black privilege is the word affirmative action. Hmm. But when people talk about affirmative action, you have to do your research to understand why it even exists. That's right. So the fact that it merely exists to say black people have to be interviewed for the job, black people have to be considered for the job, because black people privilege. have to be taken into consideration. It's placed into position because without affirmative action, the white supremacy can control every economic base, every social structure, all the control in the world goes to white supremacy. Only thing affirmative action does is consider a black person that's it that's all you have that's to do is consider, consider, yeah, consider. You don't have yeah, to white people get mad and say well he got the job because he's black no he got the job because the quota says that you have to hire or consider a black person and you have to do your research to understand why does that even exist you have to start understanding well america has to be an effed up place for that to even be in place so when we talk about black privilege I don't think it exists in the terms that he's talking about because number one, Deshaun Watson probably will be suspended. And number two, you have to do your history on the NFL on similar situations because Ray Rice, who beat up his girlfriend, was not immediately suspended until after the video footage came out. It's up to the NFL, number one, to suspend him, or number two, the team suspend him. Which is what happened. Trevor Bauer was suspended by the Dodgers, not right. by Major League Baseball. Exactly. And Trevor Watson will be not, um, um, Deshaun Watson will be suspended once the season starts. He's in the offseason. There's no reason to suspend him now right. because suspending him now would just say you're not allowed on uh, Houston property to work out, That's which right. they mostly don't work out there right. anyway during the offseason. Same thing with Richard Sherman. Exactly. Right. So, mm -hmm. but I mean, I, I think one thing that Clay was missing, which Trevor said it was, what well, yeah, well, one in particular. Um, that that Trevor said was yes, I did these things. That's right. Deshaun Watson hasn't said anything. That's right. right. And I think that's the that's where the problem comes in is they're still investigating. Yeah, Deshaun investigation. Watson. yeah. Tre right. Trevor said yes, these things occurred, but she consented to it. So that's I right. did it, but she said it was okay before I did it. Mm -hmm. Deshaun Watson hasn't said anything because the investigation is not over. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So you also have to take into consideration that. Major League Baseball or the NFL are always active into these investigations. Right. So when the when the word comes out that there is enough evidence to convict or to charge someone, that's right. That's when they'll say, "Okay, we need to make a suspension." But in Trevor, I mean, in, in Deshaun Watson's case, there may not be enough evidence for the NFL to say, "You know what? I think this is true." Right. That's right. Now. Houston can still take the can still take the steps to say you're suspended because it's a detriment to the team or it's a um it's in the distraction. Right. They have that right to do so. That's right. That's up to the NFL. That's up to the Houston Texans. 
and that has that absolutely nothing privilege. to do right. with Deshaun Watson and black privilege. That's right. Nothing that, to that, do. Absolutely. I also want to add to that, which we I said last week off camera was when Matthew Stafford asked for a trade, they granted him a trade. Uh-huh. Deshaun Watson asked for a trade, allegations come out, which tells me the Texans knew about these allegations beforehand. That's right. A lot of times they do because whenever the first allegation is made, the, all the teams are aware. Right. Or when, whenever there's investigation on a player, the team is aware, rather, either by the player, by the agent, or by the actual investigators. They're, always, they're already made aware of it. They're, they watch and they look to see, is it true or not? Right. I think it was a player from the Giants that they said robbed somebody, mm-hmm. but he was completely innocent. But he got suspended from the team right. because it was during the season. Even though he was completely innocent, the NFL didn't suspend him. That's right. The, the team, team suspended him because of the season. Remember, your quarterback got Ben Roethlisberger. Absolutely, that's right. And uh, so I don't even want to say his name, um, but Travis, I think you gotta, you gotta, you gotta dive a little, little further into the depths of the waters to really understand what what you're saying when you talk about black privilege. Right. And you can't just use concepts in comparison to white privilege just because it sounds good. Right. And obviously, I think that's what he did. I don't think anybody would dispute. In fact, there was a a, a professor who did a an experiment and she had a, a audience and she it was a racism um demonstration and she said, "I want everybody to stand up." And for the white people, if you feel like that black people are being treated unfairly, I want you to stay standing and then for the white people who think that black people were being treated fairly and you wouldn't mind if you were treated the same as black people i want you to stay standing and by the end of this there weren't many white people that were standing up this Mm -hmm. is a true this is a true experiment Mm -hmm. um obviously so white america does understand that black people are being treated differently Mm -hmm. than white america and anybody who disputes that you may want to look at it on the individual basis and say, okay, yeah, he might have been treated better than the white counterpart. Mm-hmm. But when we talk about this, we're talking about in whole. Right. We're talking about in mass numbers. Mm-hmm. There's nobody that can dispute that. Mm-hmm. Nobody. History of America, it has always been black people have been treated unfairly. Mm-hmm. And we can we can go on for days and days and talk about it. We're going to get into some other aspects of it later on. Mm-hmm. But obviously, we we have the information. Mm-hmm. So does so does Travis. Mm-hmm. You got to look at it for what it really is. You right. can try to swing it because you want people to listen, and probably want white listeners. Right. I, I get it. Mm-hmm. You know, I can tell you now. I'm not listening to Fox News. Yeah, <laughs> you know, absolutely. I'm not listening to Fox News. I get it. Right. You know, so you want to go where you, where your money is. I, I get that. But it's going to be a time where you're going to have to tell the truth, mm-hmm. and that's all we're saying. We, we we I'm not even saying I respect your perspective. Right. I'm just saying I understand. Right. But right. at some point, you're gonna have to tell the truth. And and I think you have to be careful. Um, not just Clay Travis, but other people. Because I I used to listen to Clay Travis's show, and his main points was targeted towards ESPN. So this is a Fox versus ESPN right. thing. Right. Yeah. Because if you looked at ESPN during the time you had these, everybody was speaking on social injustice. They were bringing up certain things, and the Fox commentators, and particularly Jamel Hill, right? So the commentators right. was looking at it as saying that you're trying to control a narrative. So Clay Travis started doing the total opposite, playing devil's advocate on Fox. That's right. Towards what the 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 black people were doing on ESPN, but 
you have to be careful when you say stuff like this because you're trying to lead an audience. That's right. Because Stephen A. Smith says a lot of dumb stuff sometimes right. to where just it has nothing to weeks. do with racism. Yeah, just the last two weeks. Yeah, so you have to be careful when you throw that, those stuff out there because you want to control a narrative. You want people to click your stuff. And Clay Travis, if you ever listen to his show, when callers call in and disagree with him, he hangs up on them or he talks over them. So when you have that type of person who wants to control the narrative, because it is his show, he has the right to do whatever he want to do. That's right. But you can't get, you can't, you can't try to control a narrative without knowing the truth and history behind certain facts, because what he said was absolutely in, uh, inaccurate. Right. It, just the, uh, the list that he had with hot girl privilege, it, it was who else can get filthy rich without doing anything other than being born. And in parentheses, it said, I mean, leaving aside rich white people who inherit money. <laughs> I'm telling you, the, <laughs> the, the guy already hit it on the head when he listed the, the first four right. on the list. <laughs> the right. first four on the list tells you that it's white America that is privileged. Because it, it doesn't say, I mean, leaving aside rich white and black people who inherit yeah, money. It was white people it, inherit He's telling money. you that the, the list starts at white America right and it ends at white America and it the last sentence of that <laughs> of that privilege it says that's the very definition of privilege absolutely right after he said I mean leaving aside rich white people who inherit, who inherit money absolutely yeah and that, and that just it, it's really coming across um Rachel Nichols is the perfect example um while we wrap this segment up is there are a lot of white people that are not benefiting because of the history of their forefathers, because of the racism of the, the history of their forefathers. They're not getting certain opportunities because African-Americans are taking those spots because now they're getting the equality and you're not getting the same privilege as you once got before. Right. So the fact that a lot of African-Americans are getting justice, equality, it is driving white America crazy because the, the perks that you're used to is being equaled out in some form of fashion to black people. Right. The, the justice, the equality, all of it is starting to equal out. And a lot of white people who have worked hard are not getting the same, um, not getting the same opportunities because of the racism that your forefathers put down. That's right. And, and obviously they had 400, what, 450, 460 odd years. You got a head start. Uh, uh, of, 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 of that privilege yeah. of being able to have things that black people weren't afforded. Um, but at the same time, let's use the case of Rachel Nichols. Um, so the thing is, is, yeah, even with affirmative action, you could say you have to consider a black person. Mm -hmm. Right. But when you hire that black person, they had to have some credentials. Yeah. They had to have something yeah. to say this person is qualified for the position. Mm -hmm. So it's not like they're given the position because they're black. Right. Mm -hmm. That could be secondary. Right. The person is qualified, and oh, by the way, they're black. They're black. So <laughs> see, they don't see the qualifications. You don't see the qualifications. Right. You see it as just they're putting a black person there, right? right? But they're qualified. Yeah. So you have to be qualified first to be considered for mm -hmm. the position, and hopefully, if the company wants to stay in business, that person is qualified for the position Absolutely. as well. And they don't want to give us the benefit of the doubt in saying that black people can be equally qualified. Mm -hmm. Once again, that is a form of not only white privilege, but racism. Right. By saying that this black person is not qualified, not because they're not qualified, but because they're black. Right. 
So again, racism still exists and it's in your face every day, all day long. Mm -hmm. We just don't see it that way. But guess who does? They do. Mm -hmm. They see it that way. So we have to in turn start thinking outside the box and understand when we're being discriminated against. Right. And I think this is a great example, even though she got the position. Mm -hmm. She was still being discriminated against because people are still thinking that she got the job only because she's black and she's not qualified. Right. She 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 deserves it as well. Right. Um, Absolutely. Last thing before we go to a quick commercial break on that point, when you start thinking about affirmative action and when it comes down to maybe a black person getting a manager position or a white person getting a manager position, you also have to understand the employees. So when you get a black manager in the position, their communication style will be able to talk to African-American employees that certain white people are not able to do. That's so right. having a black person in a position is actually can, can be helpful in a lot of places because they can be able to communicate to uh, white coworkers that, um, that other people cannot be able to do. Right. Uh, we'll take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. And we are back. Uh, go to YouTube, type in the Mighty Motivation Network, subscribe to the channel. Go to Facebook, type in My Unapologetic Perspective, hit the like button, and follow the content. Uh, we're going to transition to, uh, we talked about it briefly before, which is uh, boycotting the Olympics. Um, through the Miss Richardson's case, a lot of people came out and said, including me, that you know you could possibly boycott the Olympics and create, a, uh, create change. Um, and I kind of want to hit both points because I don't think there's a right and wrong answer no. when it comes to this. Um, I believe you could boycott it and, and make create tremendous change or you can participate and create tremendous change. Um, but I think we have to be knowledgeable. Um, I'm not taking back my statement, but we can <laughs> we can be more aware or um, uh, and show more gratitude to the athletes who actually have been training for this for a long time and, and deserve their opportunity. They've been waiting for this moment for for a lifetime. Um, so let's just start with let's start with why we should Let, let's let's start with if we boycotted the Olympics. What can we expect to happen or what do we want to happen if we were to boycott? That's, the Olympics? That's a tough question, because that wouldn't be my perspective. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't think we should boycott the Olympics. OK, that's that's I think it ought to be a personal choice. Mm -hmm. And 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 mine has some 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 history to support that at least for, for not just America, but for black America. Mm -hmm. um, the 1936 Olympics, um, which was, as you guys know, Jesse Owens. That's when Jesse did his thing. Um, there was talk then about blacks boycotting the Olympics. Actually, there was talks about America boycotting those Olympics mm -hmm. because of Germany. Mm -hmm. And um, <laughs> I think I mentioned this off air to you guys. There was a guy by the name of Avery Brundage who was at the time becoming the uh, head of the Olympic committee. And when there was talks about boycotting, they had a meeting in New York at a club that did not allow blacks or Jews. Mm -hmm. So in voting on whether America should boycott or not, there were only white Americans yeah. in the voting session because there could be no blacks in the building and there could be no Jews. So of course they voted to participate in that boycott. Now, the great part about that is Jesse got to go to the Olympics. Mm -hmm. And again, there was a lot of blacks that did not want to see blacks go to the Olympics. Um, you had um, Jim Brown um, did not want to see Jesse go, go to the Olympics. And he was vocal about that, met with him. Mm -hmm. um, actually, uh, what's the movie? Day in Atlanta, 
with the the uh, Jesse Jack. I mean, um, uh, the blacks that meet in Atlanta for that one day. Oh, the uh, one night, one night yeah, Miami. one night in Miami. Yeah. Um, they, that that that's actually they talk a little bit about that in real life mm-hmm. about the the boycotting Olympics later on. But in 1936, we did not boycott Jesse Jackson. Jesse Owens goes in and wins the gold medal. 1968, mm-hmm. same thing happens where there's talk about boycotting the Olympics because of the injustice and inequality to blacks in America. And uh, as you know, Muhammad Ali um, chose to not go into the military and chose to, went to jail instead. Um, but in 1968, let's just talk about it for a second. Tommy Smith and John Carlos decide that it's a personal choice mm-hmm. to go to the Olympics. And there are several people who decided that they were actually going to boycott. Um, and But it was a personal choice. We're not going to participate. Tommy Smith and John Carlos decided that they would, but they also decided that they were going to do some type of protest. Mm-hmm. And they did. So um, Tommy Smith won the gold medal. Um, John Carlos won the bronze. And Peter Norman, I believe is his yeah. name, was the uh, Austra- from, Australian that won Australia, the yeah. silver medal. And so what Tommy and Carlos decided to do is that one, they wore black socks with no shoes um, as to bring attention to black poverty in America. Um, they also chose to wear beads. Doing the medal ceremony. Doing the medal ceremony on the podium. They decided to wear beads um, to bring attention to lynchings of blacks in America. And they chose to wear the glove and put their fist in the air to show solidarity and black unity mm-hmm. um, in America. Um, and they let Peter Norman know this prior to them going to the mm-hmm. podium. So he had a choice and he chose to go, mm-hmm. but he did not put his fist in the air, but he chose to go. Mm-hmm. Now we know what happened to Tommy and John. They were basically e- ejected from the Olympics after that. But Peter Norman was treated very unfairly mm-hmm. by Australia for participating. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't know that. Um, yeah, because so, we look at the picture, it's like he was just there, but he he uh they they had a conversation with him before they went up there. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and he was um, you know he 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 was the fastest in 1972 in Australia, mm-hmm. but they 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 left him off the team, and in order to not have to put him on the team, they chose not to send any sprinters to the 1972 Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, it it wasn't until 2012 that Australia government finally apologized to him and recognized his accomplishments. But prior to that, you know, of course, drugs, alcoholism, he ended up passing away in 2006. Mm-hmm. And uh, guess who was the pallbearers? Tommy Smith and John Carlos mm-hmm. was two of the pallbearers. But in talking about um, boycotting, let's talk about a few things that happened in 1968, not just Tommy winning the gold medal and John Carlos winning the bronze. Let's talk about a couple other things that happened that same year. Spencer Haywood scored 145 points total during the Olympics. Um, Team USA won the gold. That record stood until 2012 when Kevin Durant did the same thing. Uh, That same year, Arthur Ashe became the first black man to win a major tennis title. Um, Bill Russell, as a player and a coach, led Boston Celtics to an NBA championship, became the first black coach to do that. That same year, St. Louis pitcher, you guys seen the commercials and mm-hmm. uh, the footage, Bob Gibson, who was heavily impacted by the assassination of Martin Luther King, 
um, put together the most dominant pitch, pitching season that's still held as a major league record right now. Um, however, in the World Series, Detroit, the Detroit Tigers had an outfielder named Willie Horton, who in 1967 walked the streets of, of Detroit doing riots, wearing his uniform, trying to persuade people to stop the violence. And in that World Series, Game 7, he, he, he took it to Bob Gibson, and they won the World Series. Also, Bob Beeman set a long jump record after Tommy and John Carlos were ejected from the games. Um, and that, that, that record stood for 23 years, which nobody even heard of Bob Beeman. I guarantee you there's a lot of people going, who is Bob Beeman? I never heard of him. Uh, also, George Foreman won the gold medal that same year by beating who was nicknamed the Cold War Clash. He was the Soviet Union's boxer that, my, that, uh, that George Foreman beat. Also, Jim Hines. Have you guys ever heard of Jim Hines? Jim Hines, who was black, was the first man to officially break the 10-second barrier in 100 meters and won the gold medal that same year, 1968, that nobody's ever heard of. Uh, there was a few people who elected to not participate in 1968, but guess what? Very few people know the names of those people. Yeah, absolutely. So... When we talk about boycotting, and also let, let me say this, there was somebody who boycotted the 1968 Olympics that everybody's going to know, Lou Alcinda, um, a.k.a. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Mm -hmm. He did boycott the 1968 Olympics. Mm -hmm. Very few people know that. Mm -hmm. right. So boycotting the Olympics only hurts the athletes, mm -hmm. in my opinion. It, it's not going to get what you think. You're not going to get economic development that you think uh -huh. you're not going to get that financial aspect that you think you're going to get. And here's the kicker. Do you really think that you're going to impact white America to the point that they're going to go? We need to have blacks on the team. Uh -huh. It gives the white athletes an opportunity to win a gold medal. Uh -huh. <laughs> you really <laughs> they, think they that, that. They, they're going to care about the fact that you don't participate. I think in the long run, it hurts the black athletes. As you can see by the list of things that happened in 1968 if you boycott the Olympics, there's a chance that there's going to be talk about, well, why didn't you boycott the World Series? Mm -hmm. Why didn't you boycott the NBA championship? Why didn't you boycott the, 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 the Super Bowl? Why didn't you boycott those things? Mm -hmm. And if you boycott all those things, you don't get all these great people. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about Jesse Owens if he boycotts in 1936. Mm -hmm. And you probably would never get Carl Lewis if there's no Jesse Owens. Mm -hmm. So... You probably get no Muhammad Ali if there's no George Foreman. Mm -hmm. You probably don't get these people if you do not participate in the Olympics. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think it's crucial. Now, again, that's my perspective. Mm -hmm. And I was telling you guys before, we always focus on the apologetic aspect of, of the title. This time I want to focus on the perspective. Mm -hmm. That's a perspective that not many people is going to have. Mm -hmm. um, but that's my perspective. Okay. And I, I don't disagree with you, um, but if they were to boycott, number one, I believe if you're boy, if you want to boycott the Olympics, it can't be one or two athletes. You ha it has to be a collective group of everybody saying, OK, this is what we're going to do, All because alone. because we know that if you get athletes to boycott, they're just going to go find more black athletes or white athletes to, to fill those places. And it's going to be like nothing ever happened anyway. Right. So you're basically giving your way your opportunity. For, for nothing because behind one great athlete there's another athlete looking to take his spot absolutely um 
But one thing that could happen if if they did that that could have some drastic effects if done correctly would be corporate sponsors miss out on billions of dollars, um, but miss out on billions of people seeing their merchandise, seeing their logos, seeing their their ads, and that leads to not increasing sales. Number one being Nike. We've seen Nike come to the defense of African Americans because not because they care, because of money. Of money. Yeah. So I mean, we know that a lot of these Nike, Adidas, all of these people who make money, especially off the black athlete, will will begin to showcase or throw money out towards uh, black involvement or black uh, development if, if this was to take place. Because sponsorship is a huge thing, as you talked about, that the United States do not fund the Olympics. That's right. uh, uh, athletes going to the Olympics, you have to have a sponsor. The second thing is television miss out on ratings with the major athletes not being present. Like we talked about on this podcast, most people are only going to turn their television on to watch the major events of the major athletes that they're looking to see. The third thing is the host city loses money when the athlete, when the biggest athletes don't show up. Let's put this into perspective. Tokyo pays $15 billion just to host the Olympics. And what does that do? That it gives you, especially the open ceremony where people get to watch the, the traditions of this, this country. You get to watch it and may say, hey, I want to visit there. I want to be a tourist there. I want to be there. Mm-hmm. And that increases revenue for years to come that you make that $15 billion back by tourists coming in or people coming to live there. Um, after the L.A. hosted the Olympics back in the 90s, Tourists became the big start, the big part of California, more than New York, because people saw that they wanted to be in L.A. They want to live in L.A. You want to be around the celebrities in L.A. So it increased the revenue of L.A. years to come because tourists wanted to visit that place. So when you are the host city, the objective is to have the best athletes there, to have the most money there, to have the most cameras there so people can see and say, I want to be there. That's the reason why you want to host. So with that being said. If the major athletes aren't there, money is being lost by the whole city. But that's just the thing. But the reasons why we shouldn't is you can win and get the attention and still use your voice. Mm -hmm. This is something that we've seen throughout the years. Jesse Owens, Wilma Rudolph were able to win. But the main thing was, especially with Wilma Rudolph, as we talked about on this podcast, was able to come back home and use that power to try to create change, which means Absolutely. the first integrated parade is done because of Wilma Rudolph. That's right. So it's so when these athletes are doing this, it's not speaking, especially for the United States of America, where we talk about the other America, it's to give black America pride. That's right. So you can look at the television and say, that person looks like me. That person has power. I want that type of power. That's right. I want that type of voice. Because we know the black influence is heavenly, not in America, but everywhere else. Yeah. That's the reason why mediocre NBA athletes could go to China and be treated like gods. Mm-hmm. Because the black influence in other countries is, is monumental. This is the reason why a Big Daddy Kane can tour in Europe and make billions of dollars. Right. Because they love the influence of, of black people. Then Another point is the 1968 Olympics is that Pops talked about that Tommy, Tommy Smith and John Carlos, they convinced the Australian to do so. But even if you look past that, it was convincing to other countries after that. 
right. when you look at the NBA, the NBA and the WNBA are the two of the most diverse um, sports in the world. So what do we have? We have Europeans. We have we have you got Italians, you got Russians, Absolutely. you got Germans, you got Chinese women wearing Black Lives Matter shirts. That's right. So when you start to convince other countries to fight for you, what better way to do it or what we call uh, marketing or um, connecting than the Olympics? That's right. When you begin to connect with these athletes and you can, if you want to take the Malcolm S approach, why hit America, beg America, when we go to these other countries to create allies? That's right. So when you talk about athletes going to Tokyo, you can go create allies over there that you cannot create in America to fight for your stance here. With Jesse Owens, one thing that Jesse Owens did after he win, the German that he beats in a long jump, arms with him, they did a victory lap. That's right. Pissed Adolf Hitler off. That's right. To the point where he was killed in, in, in action during the World War. So he was sent to fight because of his solidarity with the black man Absolutely. at the Olympics. So I don't think, nothing, does white America really care about the Olympics or not? No, I, I don't think so. I don't think and, so either. And, and, you know, ultimately, also, it's always going to be about money, you know, yeah. it, regardless, it's going to be about money. But the other the other side is when you look at let's look at just when it when it's hosted in the United States, especially in cities like Los Angeles and, and Atlanta. Yeah. Um, who do you think has most of those jobs? Black Americans. Yeah. Right. So you boycott. Do you still want the employees to boycott, too? Right. You want the employees not to work for a couple of weeks? And what are they going to tell their families when it's time to eat? Mm -hmm. right. You know, I'm standing up for America. That right. don't feel good on my stomach. Right. You right. Know? So at the end of the day, I think that it, it has to be a personal choice in how you approach it. It has to be. It has to be a personal mm -hmm. choice. Now, now I, I'm not denying anybody that, that want to boycott it. My reason for boycotting is, for me, like I said on one of the previous episodes is, I don't think black people need the Olympics. I, oh, believe, I agree, but, but that that's a whole different conversation right. because if I'm going there, black people don't need the NBA, we don't need the NFL, we don't need none of these things. That's why I don't because that goes back to the Negro League that we are successful when we just do it ourselves. That's but right. Kyrie said that with the bubble. He said, "Why don't we just start our own league?" Right, and and that's the thing that 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 goes totally away from this thought process right. that, because this thought is here. This is gonna that'll take time to develop right. and time to to create. But for here and right now, because we are doing that when you look at Ice Cube's league, mm -hmm. when you we're we're doing it in, in some form or fashion. When you think of um, what's the TBT. pro AM, pro AM hoops, all yep. all of that things, we're doing it. Big three TBT, yeah, it's just yep. not there yet. But another thing to consider: who's also thinking about boycotting the 2022 Olympics, the Winter Olympics? White America, white America. So when you think about, they're thinking about boycotting the Olympics because of China's human rights problem. Okay, so we have the same problem yeah. here. So yeah. if we're going to agree with our oppressors, then what are we doing? Right. That's because right. they're boycotting the same thing that we're boycotting. It's just Absolutely. in different terms. Absolutely. So we have to begin to look at it. Also, you have to look at there are places that did actually boycott. 1980 and 1984, where uh, the Soviet Union was at war to where people boycotted. And what happened from it? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing at all. The war didn't stop. So when you look at the success of boycotting, there hasn't been much success. My stance, I want to clear up my stance on the boycott that I spoke about on two episodes ago was, I'm not talking about boycotting the Olympics to create change for America. 
I'll talk about boycotting the Olympics because when you think of the black athlete, we, we don't, don't need, need it. it. Yeah. We we could create our own, but that's a whole totally different conversation. I, I agree with both of y'all perspectives of not boycotting and boycotting. For me, I think it should be um I, I don't want to ask these athletes something that I wouldn't do. Absolutely. Um, you know, if, if at work, if they say, yo, if the black people say, yo, we boycotting because we're not getting this, this. I can't say that I'm going to be with you because I need that check at the end of the week. Right. Um, but I, I do agree that I think I think the that black athletes should do it. Um, mainly because how else will we figure out who Simone Biles is? Right, absolutely. If it's, if it's not for her performing at the Olympics, because they're not gonna show her her regular um her regular competitions on right. ESPN. They're only gonna show the ones that she do at the Olympics. Right. So with without the Olympics, we might not know who Simone Biles is. And if James Harden chooses not to do the Olympics, he's still going back to millions of dollars. That's right. When Damn. he plays, right. these players like um the runner said, I, I can't remember her name, but you know they trained hard for four years yeah. to get ready for this. Right. I can't ask somebody that trained hard for four years, putting their body through those things, and say, "Look, don't go." Right, and and that's easy for for us to say, you right. know, don't do it. That's that's easy for Jim Brown to say because there's no Olympics for him. It's he, he a- a- yeah. absolutely so absolutely. Um. And Jesse Owens' father told him something. He said, whether you go or you stay, America's going to be American when you get back or when you're still here. Right. Absolutely. So you decide on what your dream is, whether you, what you worked hard for, and Jesse Owens created more of a change by going. Okay. So what we have today, either bigger than what Jesse Owens is, Jesse Owens needed a camera in his face and a microphone to his mouth. We don't need that anymore. You got that. We right. have social media. You, right. you got. You that. are your own you, platform. You have that platform. So once you go and you create a name for yourself, like Miss Richardson mm-hmm. just did, created a name for herself. You get a following. Now use your platform. Now you use your platform. Now you use it. That's right. So and I and I also think that if if the black athletes are going, the black athletes that's not should support the ones that's going. Like Shakari should support. The um the runner that came out and said no we shouldn't boycott right support us I right. think using your platform to support these other runners these other swimmers um and all of those yeah. things so. and, and and I'm like bait because I'm thinking you know what opp- what better opportunity what bigger platform are you gonna have especially as a U.S. sprinter mm-hmm. to showcase your talent one two but get be that billboard for Black Lives Matter because we know they're gonna do something. Right. We we know they're gonna do something. It's almost to the point where I don't know if you guys ever saw the documentary on the 1968 Olympics with um Tommy and 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 John Carlos, but there was other people that was a part of that process that were waiting because they didn't know what they were gonna do. Right. They, they, they wanted to see. They we, spoke and they said we knew going over there we were gonna do something. We just, we didn't, just know didn't what they just didn't know what yeah. it was gonna be. So everybody wanted front row seats to see what happened, not because it was exciting, but because they knew it was gonna be monumental. Mm-hmm. It was gonna be historic and hopefully it was gonna bring forth change. Something that Peter Norman said, who was the Australian runner that won the silver medal he said he was the fastest runner in life only to become a part of something that was so much bigger. Now, this is a guy who suffered because all he did was take the podium. Mm -hmm. He he, he did that and he continued activism after that. Absolutely. 
and he became an activist. And he lived a tough life because of it. He was ridiculed because mm-hmm. of it. And at the end, he still said, I was the fastest in life in running. However, I was a part of something so much bigger than that. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is a guy who understood exactly what it meant to do what he did for the sake of an, another race. So obviously, at the end of the day, I think the people that go to the Olympics, I want to see what they're going to do. Yeah. One, you got to win. I mean, yeah, that's, 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 that's first. first and foremost. Yeah, that's first. You know, Bradley Beal says something on a recent interview, and I'm going to tie this into the Olympics. Um, but he said when they were doing the march and protesting in D.C. as a Washington organization with the Wizards and the Mystics, that they had to sit down in the locker room with the Mystics players and the Wizards players and explain to those foreign players and the white players what it was like to be black and why you guys should support it. And they said they had to have uncomfortable conversations with these white people right. to the point where you've seen all of the white players from these two organizations, including the Nationals, come and support because they had these conversations. When you're locked into those rooms in, in Tokyo or uh, in the Olympics, people, most people think you're just going over there to compete. No, you have a lot of downtime right. when you're not, you're not participating to meet new people, to make connections, and you can have conversations with those people about what you're going through. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of those white athletes that you're going to be side-by-side side with, competing with, that you don't even know, that you competed against at one time. Mm-hmm. So when you think about LSU, NC State, y'all went to two different colleges, you competed against each other. Now your teammates, team. you can have conversations to say, okay, now I understand what you're saying. Also with the, uh, the Dream Team, they said Charles Barkley will walk in the streets and have crowds following him. So, right. no, you don't have to get on the national stage and, mm-hmm. and wear your Black Lives Matter shirt before the game. No, you're in the streets in those countries to where you can have conversations and dialogues with people and make connections to help you in America. That's so right. when you talk about what Malcolm X was attempting to do before he was uh, murdered, he was attempting to make those allies and connections outside of America to to make aware, America aware that you're not the power that you think you are That's because right. now we have these allies the same way you butt your nose in everybody else's business, mm-hmm. they're going to butt their nose in our business. Because yeah, obviously that's what you really would want is you really would want the United States to be the host of the Olympics and every other country boycott the Olympics because right. of the injustice and inequality being right. done in America. Mm-hmm. That's the boycott you want. Which yeah. we talk about the yeah. LA riots that's because right. When the uh, when they had the games in L.A., America was nice as hell to black people. That's right. And then as soon as they left, you start killing black that's people. That's right. So that that's the that's that would make the biggest impact of of all is if that was to happen. And uh, the other thing is not Malcolm X wasn't just looking to do that globally at, with other countries, but even within within our own country. Remember the the white student that stopped them and said, "Hey." I'm a white American. What can I do to help? And he said nothing. Mm-hmm. And then later on, he thought about it and was like, if he had that opportunity to talk to her again, he would tell her, go back to your community, go back to your household, your friends and family, your coworkers, people in your neighborhood and talk about the injustice and the inequality. Mm-hmm. Have them listen to you about what's going on in America with black America. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. And we are back again. Go to YouTube. Type in Mighty Motivation Network, hit the subscribe button, go to Facebook, type in My Unapologetic Perspective, and like that Facebook page. Um, we're going to continue right along. 
Again, on the last episode, we talked about this briefly, which was the um, the African American studies that uh, being incorporated by Governor Northam into uh, certain Virginia counties. Not every Virginia county is incorporating this African American studies, but there are counties that are uh, incorporating a optional. Again, I'm gonna use that word again: optional, optional, optional African American studies course um, into their curriculum. Um, that's separate from the U.S. history mandatory course that is tested for the SOLs. Uh, so one of the questions that I have for you, Pops, what do you expect from this African-American studies course in Africa? Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. And, uh, and, and, and here's why. Here's why I don't expect anything. The curriculum, in my opinion, my perspective, not going to apologize for it, is was devised to put blacks in American history in a certain perspective, right? They want to depict us as slaves throughout the history of black of, of America mm -hmm. and insubordinate, inferior, mm -hmm. um, instead of just being the minority, right? So there is a difference between being the minority and being all those other things that I just named. And what American history portrays us as, as all those other things, not just minorities. We didn't become the minorities until civil rights. Prior to that, we were all those other things. Mm -hmm. um, problem, you can add to the list of things. They considered us to be problems. Um, and I think that any curriculum that's going to be considered optional continues to divide us in the sense that they're not only teaching blacks, but they're teaching white kids blacks place in history. And I'm gonna give you an example. They talk about blacks being in the United States as of 1619. <laughs> but we know, this is documented, we can go back 1526, certain cases, 1494 with Columbus, possibly as early as 1493, by their documentation. But, yeah, but we, we, by their documentation. We'll, we'll get to yeah, that later. We'll we're not that. even going to other documentation, we'll, we'll but by white America's documentation, right? So what Project 1619 talks about, and just, just briefly, and that's just a curriculum that um, some people have been trying to put in place that talks about true black history, black's place in American history. Even when we talked about a couple of weeks ago, the Revolutionary War, I'm of the opinion that that Revolutionary War was fought not to break away from Britain because of taxation without representation. Because as I said before, that still happens today and we ain't going to war about that. Was to protect slavery. Because obviously, Britain had already issued a judgment saying that they were abolishing slavery in all providence, yeah. which would include America. Mm -hmm. So that was in... 17 early 1770 mm -hmm. uh not long after that it information got back to the united states that said hey we got to do something because if they abolish slavery that's going to kill our network our industry our economical development our financial institutions so we go to war now that's my perspective yes that that war was particularly fought for Slavery and that's evidence to, and, to and evidence. cooperate it, right? So when you don't talk about that in that sense, and you talk about it in terms of that was 
for us to break away from Britain, that makes white America feel like it incorporates everybody. So we talk about Black Lives Matter. They can they combat that by saying all lives matter. Yeah. Well, the Revolutionary War was for all Americans. That's what they want you to believe when they teach you this in school. But that's not true. Mm -hmm. It was for white America. Mm -hmm. Why do I say that? Is because after the Revolutionary War, we continued to be slaves mm -hmm. for almost 100 years. Mm -hmm. That's why. So there's proof that the Revolutionary War was about slavery. Now, I'm going to keep going. In accord with that, there's also the concept you hear, critical race theory, which, just so people can understand, that's not a new concept uh -uh. or a new approach. 1970 was when that was devised. And that's just a approach to challenging mainstream America's narrative about race, discrimination, injustice, and inequality in America. The theory was devised in the 1970s, which simply examines and questions the legal issues primarily related to race and racism in the U.S., so we're going to talk about a little bit about what I mean. Most people don't realize that we had the right to vote in 1870. Yeah. 15th Amendment. 15th Amendment gave us the right to vote in 1870. It did. Black men. Black men gave us the right to vote. However, we did not vote until the Civil Rights Movement. Mm -hmm. Until the bill was passed in 1966. Mm-hmm. So for almost 100 years again, we had the right to vote, but we weren't allowed to. Right. Why don't they teach you that in school? Because mm -hmm. the narrative is we have a certain place for blacks in American history. Yeah. We don't want to change that narrative. Yeah, most people think that we gained our right to vote in 1968. Absolutely, when we did not. <laughs> yeah. We gained that right to vote in 1870 with the 15th right. Amendment. But we could not practice it but they don't want to teach you that in school. So when you hear about civil rights, I hear people often say, and I've actually heard kids say, yeah, Martin Luther King fought for our civil rights. He voted, he fought for us to have the right to vote. No, he didn't. He fought for us to have the, the right, right to, practice to practice the right to yeah. vote. <laughs> we already had the right to vote. The right was there. The right was already there. So a lot of people don't know that. So the narrative is to keep blacks in a certain, pos a certain po position in our history. And white people view us that way. Not just us. So we, we view us that way too. Mm -hmm. But white America views us a certain way and they don't want to change that narrative. So let's just talk about a couple other things real quick. Take the time. Take the time. So the people, the characters that are mentioned, the black characters that are mentioned in American history are people that we all know. Frederick Douglass, mm -hmm. W.E.B. Du Bois, Harriet Tubman, Harriet Tubman Booker T. King. Washington, Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X, Jackie Robinson, Langston Hughes, May Angelou. You hear all those people. Yes. They put them in the history books. And you're going to learn about them if you take the, the, the course that's mandated, the required history course, American history. You'll hear about those people. But you won't hear about Sojourner Truth. No, you, you won't. You're not going to read about, you're not going to read about Sojourner. Very few people even today know who Zora Hurston is. They may know because we talked about her on the podcast. Out of B. Wells. Yeah, Out of B. Wells. Benjamin Banneker, mm -hmm. um, Madam C.J. Walker, mm -hmm. uh, Pauli Murray. Yeah. Nobody's going to know these people. Paula Murray was Rosa Parks 15 years before Rosa Parks. Mm -hmm. Claudette, Colvin Claudette, Claudette Colvin was Rosa Parks nine months before Rosa mm -hmm. Parks. Mm -hmm. But because she was dark and had nappy hair, 
You never hear about her, mm-hmm. right? She didn't make a good model for them to teach you in school. So what I expect from the curriculum, the optional curriculum, nothing. <laughs> I expect nothing. Now, but here's what I like about it. And it's the same thing that I like about the new ruling with the NCAA, uh, the, the NCAA bat, uh, uh, athletes. Yeah. In order to be accepted in something, included in something, you have to be included in the process to develop the rules of the game, mm-hmm. which we weren't involved in. So we can talk about a lot of the parts of the Constitution and people can talk about who was included and who wasn't included. It wasn't meant for us. That's why you have all these amendments like Amendment 15. (laughs) So when you talk about what they did with NCAA athletes, blacks were a part of that process in developing how this is going to happen because it includes us. And one of the great things about that that I like is it includes that you can actually use this money for education. Yeah. So that's huge because we're not just talking about for white America that think that this is what we all do. We're not just talking about going out, buying cars and putting big rims on it and loud music and having Jordans and, and iPhones. All right. We also want an education. Sometimes we can't afford it. Yeah. So this is going to allow them to use that money for education as well. The other thing is, is the same thing with this curriculum. Black people were a part of the conversation, not nearly as enough as we need to be, but we were a part of the conversation. Now we have their ear. Mm-hmm. We got to do something with it. Mm-hmm. So that's what I expect is us to look at this and go, it's not enough. And I'll, I'll add to that because while we were celebrating that we had Juneteenth day, uh, Republicans, white America was busy trying to pass 400 bills in 32 states of voter suppression. Yep. So while we were letting off our fireworks and eating hot dogs, by the way, there's some good hot dogs. Um, <laughs> they were doing this voter suppression where the Texas governor says that, look, not everybody should have the right to vote. Yeah. Not everybody should have the right to vote. And a lot of people don't know this. One of the, one of the things they would require black people to do when they went to vote in the South was recite the entire constitution. Then tell me what it means. Then tell me what it means. Well, damn, I know some lawyers <laughs> that can't do that. But in order for me to vote, I got to do that. And even if it ain't true, if that's just the, the if that's just the narrative coming out in a particular area, most black people ain't going down there to vote. Most I can't even spell constitution yeah. is what some people would be thinking. How do I, I don't even, I can't even spell it. I got to go down there and recite it. That's why reading, being able to read and all these other things came into place to, for you to do. Absolutely. So once again, I say for black people with this curriculum, get involved. The only way to make change is you have to be involved in the process. We're involved in the process. We can't stop it. That's what I expect from the curriculum Mm -hmm. is that it's going to get people involved. For me, I fully expect (laughs) out of this, I fully expect the what and the who without teaching the why and the how. Say that again. I fully expect the what and the who without teaching the why and the how. And I say that because understand that this is not an SOL course, which means it's up to the teacher's discretion on what to cover, how to cover it, and how much of it to cover. So you can give me a curriculum of an optional course, but being that it's not rec- it's not mandatory for the SOLs, which means 
I can put this however I want to put it. I can spend as much time on it as much as, as long as I cover what's in here, I can do whatever I want to do. That's right. So with that being said, it's going to bring some light to some powerful African-American names. As you said, it's going to go from five sentences that we normally get in the U.S. history book to maybe a couple of pages. Um, it's going to talk about some world-changing African-American events, some historical accomplishments. They're going to start. They're going to talk about the uh, Harlem Hell Fighters. They're going to talk about all those stuff that we've been talking about on this podcast. Uh, they're going to bring some. Some. Uh, they're going to talk about the Brown versus Board of Education um, passed down. They're going to talk about civil rights. They're going, to, they're going to cover those those things. But it will be very clear not to affect what you learn in the other history class. Absolutely. <laughs> So we're gonna talk about this, but it ain't gonna contradict what you but already. But it's not learned gonna stain what you learned in that history That's class. Right. That's right. So we'll talk about slavery in here, guys, but we're not gonna talk about George Washington owning slaves. We're not gonna talk about <laughs> Thomas Jefferson owning the slaves. Because that's gonna stain what you learn over here. That's right. We're not, we're not doing gonna, that. We're, we're, that's what we're not gonna do. So this course will not correct history, it will only separate and include African-American accomplishments. Also, what this class will, will not do, it's not, again, it's not going to tell us why some of these things occurred. Like you said, it's going to talk about blacks not being able to vote, but it's not going to talk about why they weren't able to vote. Right. It's not going to talk about the practices that was put in place by white supremacy to keep them to vote. So again, we'll tell you about it, can't affect what happens over here because if we talk about why you weren't able to vote, you have to talk about all of these other people. We don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. So we'll talk about the Civil War. But we can't exactly tell you what it's about because it's going to talk about how it was not about slaves, it's about money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we can't talk about that. Can't talk about it. So one thing, uh, and I did a little research. So I text a couple of uh, teachers. African-American teachers that, that teach, I'm not going to say their names, but I know they're listening. Thank y'all for the information. And they said, I don't expect nothing from it. <laughs> because number one, I asked one of the people, I said, what would be the criteria to be able to teach it? He said, the only thing you have to do is probably be a teacher when it comes to um, history. So rather you teach U.S. history, world history, if you teach any type of uh, social science, you'll be able to teach this course. No background in black history no. at all. So I said, would they bring in somebody from the outside that may know a little bit more about African-American history? But probably not. They're going to they're gonna give you the curriculum and they're going to tell you to learn it and you'll be able to teach it. So, huh. So now the concept is, can white teachers teach black history? Now, I'm, I know some phenomenal teachers teachers that will want to because they will want to try to get the truth out there because they again they agree that black history and a lot of white history is tainted but in order to teach black history you have to have a pride about it mm -hmm. you have to have an experience about it you have to be passionate about it to be able to teach black kids about something that they should be prideful about as well and there's not a there's very little white teachers that could do that because you don't have the experience or the 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 history about being a black kid, nor do you see the direct correlation of your kids, your nieces, your nephews that need to know this information right. to be able to say this is important. Also, you have to understand the comfortability. They they've done uh 
They've done research on white teachers' comfortability with teaching just about black people in white history classes. Especially slavery. And a lot of them are not comfortable doing so. So when you're not comfortable doing something, again, you can skip over. You can not try to paint the picture to say I'm a bad person or my race is a bad bad people in, in history. So when you talk about white teachers teaching this class, how serious do they take it? And that's what they told me. They said a lot of these teachers aren't going to take it seriously. So if the teachers don't take it seriously, how can you expect the kids to take this course seriously? So they're going to talk about a lot of stuff, but again, it's not going to stain anything that's taught in the mandatory history class. Another thing you have to deal with is the burden of proof. When racist America came up with telling the history of, of America, they used theories as fact. Case in point. Christopher Columbus discovered America. Mm. At one point, was a fact, but it was a theory by America to say, we think he was the first person here. We think became, we know, and it became a fact base that's still taught today. Now, in the same breath as we talked about it, we have evidence that before 1492, we have history from the 12th, even before the Barren Strait of the Ice Age, that there is artifacts and evidence of Africans being in this on this continent way before anybody else. That's right. Again, theory with evidence, but it's not facts. So it's not going to go into the curriculum, even though in their curriculum, they use theory as facts. We don't get that same thing because we don't control the narrative of the Absolutely. curriculum. That's so right. the excuse is it has not been proven yet. Truth changes all the time. The problem with white America is they don't want to adjust the truth. Again, case in point, when we was in school, there was nine planets. That's now, right. there's eight planets. That's right. In Who case of school, no when we was in school, there was four <laughs> oceans. Now, there's five oceans. Maybe even more than that now. That's I don't right. even know. The, the truth changes constantly because the more information, again, another case of point, when we was in school, the Egyptians was white. Now we know the Egyptians was black. So when even when uh, I looked up some curriculums from other places because I couldn't find information because Virginia hasn't posted the actual curriculum. They just posted what the kid is expected to learn. But in other places, um, there was a place in uh, uh, Missouri. Their their African-American studies course starts with African kingdoms, slave trade in the new world. Dang, that's dope. But. Case in point, if you was to go to Google and type in African kingdoms, they're going to start with Ghana, Mali, all of those places. They're not even going to include Egypt, even though Egypt is in Africa. Problem is, Egypt isn't the first dynasty. That's right. You had Kush. Before Kush, you had Kerma. They're not even going to talk about that. So when you talk about uh, people like... Um, Henry Louis Gates, phenomenal African-American historian and scholar. But that's all he is. Whenever he goes to Africa and teach, he's wrong about a lot of this information because he is an African-American historian, not an African historian. That's right. So a lot of people, they put him to the forefront on all of these documentaries on PBS and, and the Discovery Channel because in the History Channel because he's going to tell it the way they want him to tell it and they're going to say, look, the black person is telling you about black history. When there are historians in Africa that say, no, Egypt was not the first dynasty. 
you got Karma, you got Kush, you got the Nalt culture, you got the Somalians, you got uh, people in Nigeria. They got evidence going back way further than Egypt. They believe that all of these people taught Egyptian. But you're not going to learn that in your case again because theory is not fact-based. Therefore, it's not going to credit. But when they thought one pharaoh was white in Egypt, now in the curriculum, all the Egyptians are white. That's right. This is where you get the theory based of who is in control. So when you talk about, they're going to talk about slavery, civil war, reconstruction, segregation, but they're not going to put in the how and how it applies to you today. They're not going to put this into a systematic racism on how this affects you today. It's just going to be history. It's history. So they can teach you U.S. history so you can be a patriot, but they're not going to teach you African-American history so you can understand oppression. That is the that is going to be the difference in these courses when you talk about African-American studies. So I got a question for both of y'all. With all of that being said, how can what can we do as parents, as leaders in the community to not persuade kids to take this course, but get them to be, to, to get them to take it? Number one, you want them to take the course. Want them to take the course. But Absolutely. with taking the course, you want them to be able to actually become educated. Again, there's, there's two different ways of learning. You got one going to class, teaching what they give you. You take a test, that's learning. But most people aren't going to remember that information the next year. They're just memorizing. The second way of learning is actually going to class to be educated, going home, doing your own research. That is the problem with the school system. They the, the, the thing about being educated is to give you the information and you come to the conclusion yourself. But when you think about U.S. history, they give you the evidence and they want to draw the conclusion for you. That is the reason why they don't tell you about everything because that conclusion would change if they start telling you about George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, all these people. Absolutely. So what you want them to do is not give these black kids the conclusion. You want to go in there and you want to give them the information and you want to expect them to go home and do more knowledge for themselves. But the problem is they're going to go into that course and they're going to get the information and they're going to stop there. But if you go into that course and they start teaching you about uh, certain things, you can take that information, go home, and you can find your own research, and you can come to your own conclusion. I want this course to only to just ignite the fire. Then I want us to create the whole flame and burn down. Yeah. But it's going to take the African-American student to do their own research, because you're not going to get what you need in a classroom that's controlled by white supremacy. It's not going to happen. I, I I agree. I, I think to add to that, I think you also are going to need parents participating and have one having conversations with their kids. It's, it's sort of like something else we didn't really get to get into um, on this podcast is when we talk about gun violence. Yeah. We talk about violence in the black community or violence in general that affects the black community disproportionately is that we have to have parents having this these conversations with their kids about true black history and our place in history because the place that white america puts us in history is not accurate mm -hmm. and we have to show them what we mean 
again, even though I, even if they made this curriculum required, I would still have the same concerns that I have right now. Is one who's teaching it, how created are they to teaching it, and exactly what does it consist of, right? So we didn't, we can't expect a system that's already failed us to all of a sudden write its wrongs on its own. It's not right. going to happen. Right. So you're going you're gonna to have the same people that wrote the curriculum that we disagree with to provide us a curriculum for the truth. Not going to happen. happen. So I still think it's going to be a coming upon the parents to start doing their work, mm-hmm. start having the conversations with the kids, striking that conversation and discussion so that the kids are being inclined to want to do more research and more to know more about the truth about black history. Because I've said this before, we've all said this before, there is no America without black history. Mm-hmm. There is no American history without black history. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we need to be the ones at the forefront having that conversation with our kids and not leaving it to the school system that has already steered us in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. And just in closing, um, education never stops. Um, we talk about parents having these conversations, but in order for parents to have conversations, they have to educate themselves. That's right. You have to be able to unlearn and relearn the truth. And there are a lot of adults out here who have means to get the information. Hint, hint, this podcast. That's right. <laughs> but don't want to take the time out to listen. Don't want to take the time out to educate themselves. And then you want to cry about your kids not learning the truth. Even if the school system never offered it, your kids should still know the truth. Right. Absolutely. You know, uh, my daughter's teachers tell me all the time, you know, we know that your daughter's going to know the truth. And I'll make sure Lyric don't go on there and repeat some stuff because I don't want to confuse the other kids because that's that's on them. But rather this course came or not, I know my daughter going to know. And it's incumbent of, of every parent to make sure that that happens as well. Also, you have to understand with this course in closing is that when you talk about high school level African-American studies course, because most of black history is actually put into sixth grade history class and then it just repeats itself from there. But when you look at college level African-American studies courses, it's very different from what's going to be offered at the high school level. Because a lot of the the curriculum that's offered at the college courses are offered by African and Americans who created it. Case in point, people like William Lee Hansberry, who created, I think it's Howard Universities. And so where it expounded to places like Yale, Princeton, and all of those other places that that offer these African American study courses. This curriculum is created by the people Governor Northam probably called (laughs) It said the the Virginia educational base, the same people who created the narrative of racism doesn't exist. The same people who create the narrative that discrimination doesn't exist. They're even talking about how Texas is implying theirs as slavery was was just a, a bad time during American history. That's right. When that's not true, it's built. That's what built American history. That's right. You you so it's all a problem. This is going to be state to state basis, which is why it needs to, like you said on the last podcast, it needs to be a a, a federal thing, 
because state to state base is going to be able to choose how they retell history from their perspective. Uh, and a lot of white people don't know the truth. So we exactly. expect them to tell us the truth. Exactly. You see in Texas where uh, most of the textbooks, the word slavery is being taken out of. Yeah, they're, they're trying they're trying to come up with new words to use for slavery. Um, words like indentured service, which is absolutely, totally different thing. Yeah. Um, but thank everybody for tuning in. Well, we I, I just, you. I want to say before you close, oh, go ahead. A, a lot of times y'all right. see, uh, y'all see me sitting here, you know, and I, I said it many episodes ago, y'all see me sitting here and a lot of times I'm not saying nothing is because I'm learning on the spot. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a lot of this information I don't know. But what y'all two have done is y'all sparked something to make me go home and research something on my own. Mm-hmm. Y'all hear me say all the time here, yo, that's crazy how um, I always wondered how New York people always said, I got people down south. Yeah. Well, I figured out why. Yeah. Um, so I think as, us as parents, we also have to do our own research to help our kids when they do come up with these courses say, look, I know what they're teaching you in school. But look at this podcast. Mm-hmm. Maybe this might interest you to take other courses in school instead of advanced PE. That's right. Instead of art. When you're only taking those courses because if I go in here and do this, whether it looks good or not, I know I'm going to get an easy A. a. It's right. an easy A. So I think we can help the kids take these courses by educating ourselves when we're not in school. Like you said, 